The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the podcast that's bigger on the inside, it's Doctor Who Pachak. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 324. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this podcast, returning from across the Great Pond, is Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Hello, Dave. Hi, guys, and uh, I hope you're going to thank me, because uh, I think I improved your ratings last week. Well, no, you, you, no. <laughs> <laughs> no I imagine did, so, yeah. The guys did a great job. Uh, well done. Well, thank you. It's uh, good to have you back on board. It's uh, always a delight. So uh, joining Dave is uh, returning once again is Lee Shackelford from, uh, from this side of the pond. Hello, Lee. That's right. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi. Welcome back. Glad to be back. So uh, I, uh, Lee is fresh back from uh, reviewing the Sea Devils from uh, episode 322, which uh, he was joined with other, none other than Kyle Jones. Welcome back, Kyle. Welcome back, and welcome back, Dave. Hey. Thank you, guys. See, we're fitting more people in the podcast. That's why this is the podcast that's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah, there's a few portions of the console we need to fill out yet, but we're we're getting almost full control now. <laughs> but you but you guys keep changing the desktop theme, and I'm just not sure I like it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know why you stuck me in this part of the console where I've got all yucky stuff all over my hands. <laughs> I'm about to think that I do need some round things. You know, you know, I used to have a, we used to have a lot of round things. I on love the, the round things. Yeah, I wonder where I put them. Oh. Anyway, <laughs> can never you can never have enough round things. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> the Tardis heard yeah, that. We got, too, we got too many people in here. All right. Well, um, I'm hoping that everyone's uh, refreshed and good, and we're good to go. I, I, here we're having a little interlude of balmy weather. We're um, in the 20s and low 30s today, so I'm having a, a, a great day, though. Tomorrow we're back to the single digits and uh, teens, you know, uh, the next couple of days. But, you know, I don't know who said it. On Someone, someone had, uh, while I was complaining about the weather, someone reminded me either on Twitter or Facebook, said that, you know, the way I see it is that we're just one day closer to spring. Good thought. Yes. So I'm looking forward to spring. It's like uh, 30 days away as we record this, give or take a day. 
No, 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 you're wrong there. In the TARDIS, it's always breakfast tomorrow. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that, it, spring was yesterday, as far as we're concerned. Sure. All right, well, we'll head over to, um, to the news. Well, this is kind of sort of just breaking. A uh, friend of the show, Paul Cornell, who's who's been on um, in the past and has always been a friend of the show, is doing. Uh, he's if, if you're not familiar with Paul Cornell, he's a writer. He's written for the series itself, but he's also wrote the dis, him along with others had wrote, written the discon, discontinue the dis, discontinuity guide. Discont, discontinuity guide. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me to say that ten times fast. I can't even say it one time fast. <laughs> uh, among other things, uh, and he's like I said, he's uh, he's written for the, the the series proper itself. But he's now he's uh, he's joining um, Titan Comics and, and that Doctor Who line, doing a series of of um, adventures featuring the tenth Doctor, the eleventh Doctor. And wait for it, wait for it. And the 12th Doctor, a multi-Doctor story. They're teaming up um, in this uh, this adventure that he's uh, he's writing. And it should be... Um, it's a five-part storyline, yeah. Thank you. It's a five-part storyline. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I think the first episode or the first issue of that crossover will be part of Free Comic Book Day this year. Huh. Well, um, it says um, there, there's an article that um, in um, Hollywood Reporter, which which reports that the special crossover event launches August twelfth. Uh, oh, this later. This, Just ahead of it, yeah. But it's but it's this year's Doctor Who Comics Day. On August fifth, um, just ahead, it says just ahead of this year's Doctor Who. Uh, evidently, Doctor Who has its own Comics Day. So it's on August 12th, just ahead of uh, this year's Doctor Who Comics Day on August 15th. And that is Saturday, the uh, 15th. I, I'll take your word on it. <laughs> Dave is from the future, so he's already been there. <laughs> yeah, how was it? Warm. <laughs> For folks who, if you're having trouble placing Paul Cornell in the, as a writer for the new series, he wrote Father's Day. Um, and what I, my two favorite hours of the, uh, of uh, the new series, I think, Human Nature and Family of Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, Excellent stuff. Yeah. So as mentioned in our last episode, 323, um, Hetty McDonald is now directing, uh, is returning to the director's chair in um, in the upcoming series. They started block two of shooting, and um, and and speaking of favorite episodes, uh, she had directed one of many people, many fans' favorite episode, Blink. So it's exciting to have her back, and it's good to have because there ha- there hasn't been that many female directors on. Um, no, the the show has taken some criticism, uh, at least online, for the dearth of women writing and uh, or directing. So yeah. that's one reason I'm happy to see her back again. Yeah, sure. 
So do we know anything about which episode she's directing or No, I don't. I know that there's a there's a picture circulating of a of a slate that shows that she's the director, but that it doesn't have a title on it or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, that's uh so. Yeah, that, that BBC had posted that 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 um with with the news the last time as well, yeah. All we know, or all we hope, is that the Doctor and Companion, without navel-gazing, are out on adventures. Nothing more, nothing less. Free of all this uh, belly-button-watching that we've had for the whole of the last series. Here endeth the lesson. Ah, it could happen. Now I don't know if this has been confirmed or not, but it appears that um, that the first story will be a unit story with um, Gemma Redgrave reprising her role as Kate Stewart. Good. So we'll have it's to- always difficult this whether whether you, know, you actually may, even if we know things whether we mention them or not, uh, and the reason listener is because um, some people will be grateful for these little tidbits and others are sort of putting the, the fingers in their ear and going na 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 they don't want to hear uh, it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we try to only report on um, you know, and I mean, unless it is a rumor, we'll 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 tag it as such, but. We'll, we'll try and we'll, we'll try not to get into anything that's really spoilery, you know. If but if it's just a um, a character that's sort of um, on again and off again on the series, sort of like her, I, I don't think it's too spoilery, you know. Unless you know, you know, she did die in the last episode, but she did come back, and that's so. It's not like you know uh, she, you know, we're saying that she's going to somehow come back from the death from from you know. Because she already did. She fell off an airplane. <laughs> okay. Um, in other news, um, Dave, did you enter, did you want to talk about this? In Manchester isn't this year old stomping grounds. Yeah, well, I, I thought since I'm uh, here across the pond, we ought to have a little piece of news from this side. It's um, it's it's also on the Doctor Who News Net site. It's um, study Doctor Who. I mean. Uh, in America, you've had uh, people going to university learning about Elvis Presley or something like that and uh, getting a degree on it. But this is actually, uh, it's more of a, an evening, a short course. Uh, this Easter, the college in Manchester, in actual fact, it's Equinus College um, in Stockport. Uh, I think it's named after the famous man Thomas Equinus uh, from prehistory almost. Uh, but this is a course that will look at the creation of Doctor Who, uh, who's... The course will look at the creation of Doctor Who by BBC's head of drama, Sidney Newman, and producer Verity Lambert in the early months of 1963. The course will then follow the history over the following decades, including the 12 Doctors from William Hartnell to Peter Capaldi uh, and so on. The course will examine uh, why Doctor Who was taken off air in uh, 1989 and how it featured a return in 2005 to critical acclaim course will be led by historian Michael Herbert, who watched his first episode aged eight. Well, I was 17, so that makes me all right, all foggy. Anyway, uh, his pamphlet, Doctor Who and the Communist, the television career of Malcolm Hulk, 
was published by Five Leaves Press in January 2015, so just recently. Herbert said, I'm delighted to be presenting this course at Aquinas College. I'm hoping that viewers become fans of the programme, that have become fans of the programme since 2005, will come along. And if you go to Thomas Aquinas College, it, uh, it has it under the adult education banner um, for 11 weeks, Tuesday evenings, 6.30 to 8.30. And I'm feeling guilty now because it's, it's, it's within 10 miles of where I live, I suppose. Hmm. But there once again, uh, Doctor Who is educating, because uh, that was uh, its main, when it was first um, created, that was part of its, um, I think its, its charter was to be somewhat educational, going back in time, doing historical dramas, and then, um, and then exploring science as far as doing future stuff. And um, so, but th- this is this is a course that's taking a look at the creation of the series. So lots of um, history there as well as far as um, you know experimental stuff from from the theme music to uh, well the whole concept of having the, the 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 lead actor change you know and it's renewing itself all the time uh, a lot can be you know can be learned from from the series over 50 you know well it has a 50 year history yeah, this is not a free course, but it's um, it's one of these sort of uh, out in the community courses. So it will be a subsidised course, I would have thought. But um, uh, www.aquinas.ac for uh, academic. uk. So it's www.aquinas.ac. uk. I'll go straight to the uh, .news.net page and follow the link. Now, our friend James Naughton is teaching at the University of York, right? So he needs to he needs to add a Doctor Who course there as well. <laughs> and this could also get the uh, the guy from uh, the Mind You Doctor Who podcast. He'd be pretty brilliant at that sort of stuff, anyway. Sure. Yeah, if we could keep going, and before long, we would have a complete curriculum. Uh, I can say it now: uh, bat- instead of Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Time. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> That's certainly something you'd want to have a doctorate in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good one. Yeah. Or a doctorate in Doctor Who. <laughs> but we offer courses here on uh, uh, studying uh, Harry Potter as literature, and uh, I mean, obviously the books, but the, the whole uh, uh, the whole uh, phenomenon of uh, Harry Potter's literature. And uh, I've taught a class on uh, all the different variations of uh, War of the Worlds. So, um, yeah, why? Oh, I, I that need sounds a, brilliant. I need to pitch a class about Doctor Who. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but just on the Harry Potter, my daughter and now husband uh, have just come back from London and they also went to see the, you know, the Harry Potter uh, thing that you can go around where they actually filmed it, the studios, which is now turned into a theme park. I uh, said that was fabulous. And, of course, the, there is... I was, I was going to say as daft as Doctor Who fans, I don't mean that. I mean that in a very <laughs> fond way. Uh, but they're all, uh, like going to a convention, half the people going around were, uh, you know, all in uh, in costume or whatever. A uh, high, high number of people from Japan and China going around it as well. But, uh, yeah, they went all the way around uh, uh, the sets of uh, Harry Potter and enjoyed that. Slightly off topic, but there you go. I don't know. There's a huge overlap between the, the Harry Potter films and the Doctor Who uh, universe. Uh, so, 
Um, I don't know. That, that may be in a whole other episode. That may be another topic for discussion. But um, for a while there, it seemed like uh, everybody that you saw in Doctor Who, you'd say, wait a minute, I, I saw you in the Harry Potter movie. It's, well, <laughs> it's sort of like that yeah. in Doctor Who and Star Wars as well. Well, that's true, yeah. What? Yeah, one one minute you're a janitor at Hogwarts, mm. the next minute you're um, uh, the first doctor in a documentary. That's right, yeah. <clears throat> or you may open a box and find David Tennant in it. And, uh, so. Or you may give Harry Potter his wand and go off to war. That's true. Oh, yeah. Damn. Or teach people how to fly on a broomstick, and then the next time we see you, you're you're a bitchy trampoline. So, <laughs> it was David Tennant called her. So. <laughs> well, you're shooting bows and arrows in medi- medieval times with a Sartarin, and the next thing you're Boba Fett. Oh, that, that, that was Jeremy Bullock. That's yes. right. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about Declan Mulholland turning up on the, the Sea Devils the other day. And then, right. and then he was Jabba the Hutt. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It goes on and on. Yeah. Anyway. Well, speaking of oh, uh, crossing you know, I, over through time and space, um, there's, now this, this uh, okay, I'm just learning about this myself, so forgive me for not knowing much about it, but there's a... Time Travel TV, which is a site dedicated to offering real time, spelled R E E L, meaning you know, um, real as in motion pictures or, or I guess television in this case, real time pictures, wide range of documentaries and dramas, um, and then underneath it says DVD download and streaming, and. So I'm I'm still unsure of what this is all about. It says featuring myth makers, and they have names like Tom Baker, Anthony Anley, John Nathan Turner, uh, Jacqueline Pierce, uh, Peter Tottenham, um, Eric Sayward. So there's mostly Doctor Who names, but some Blake Seven names here as well. Um, I don't know um, what this is well, about, really. I mean, other than what was it? you can you can I guess purchase these things or yeah. Well, the thing is, as well, that they, 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 they're just moving out and stepping into the, into the uh, more into the online world. But this is, I think, somewhere where we could actually ask for feedback because um, they did a bit of a presentation and they were certainly present at Gallifrey One, uh, and they coincided this announcement with that event. I think so. Any of the Podshock listeners who went to Gallifrey One may, may know a little bit more about this, um, but. Um, they were attending it, uh, uh, and they, they were in the dealer's room selling DVDs, advertising the new web sh- uh, website. Um, with the launch of our new website, we're pleased to announce the brand new Mythmakers documentary on DV, instant download and available to stream is Mythmakers 116, Anthony Ainley, uh, best known as uh, the master during the reign of the 5th, 6th and 7th Doctors. And, and by the way, it's not that long ago that... Um, the Anthony Ainley book came out, uh, written about him and his private life. That uh, oh, maybe okay. something follow. All right, I think I now. Okay, now I'm catching on what this is about. I, there, there was a series of MythMakers um, videos that were done because um, uh, if you click on, well, it was real time, wasn't it? Wasn't it real time MythMakers? Yeah, drama yeah, and well, documentary, TV I, days, I, yeah, which I didn't have, so that's why I didn't, I didn't recognize the, the name at, at first. Uh, at first reading there but yeah you so 
so for example, the uh, there's a 60 minute um, piece about Tom Baker um, from 1989, which you can purchase, and for uh, 9.99 pounds, uh, you could choose um, choose your region format PAL or NT NTCSC rather. Uh, though, right. um, and then you I think the stream or stream or download this production using the link below. So, um, so I, I, the best I, place I've seen the best place. I, sorry, Liz, the best place I've seen for people to find out quickly about this is going to Galaxy Four. So, if you go to www.galaxy4.co.uk, uh, there's a lot of information there. Mythmakers Waris Hussein, Mythmakers Wendy Pambry, Mythmakers William Hartnell tribute, and Jack Pitt, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but um, they they are also um, they've just launched a. Uh, a time travel TV TV channel on Facebook. So if you're on Facebook, if you put time travel TV, uh, you'll you'll see their page there. See they've got a couple of images up from uh, from uh, Gallifrey One, and they've got some information about um, uh, what they're doing. So that will be an easy point of contact, and yeah. they'll have links to their www.timetraveltv.com. Okay, and the streaming is via Vimeo. So if you hit streaming, it brings you to the Vimeo site for uh, video on demand, and then they have um, you can you can rent it for um, for three. For, this is U.S. dollars now, three seventy-five, or uh, buy it for you can stream and download it for seven dollars and fifty cents. It's uh, I'm just using the Tom Baker one as an example. It's MythMaker's number seventeen, Dom, Tom Baker, forty-seven minutes. And again, um, so this is something that might be worthwhile. That you can view a trailer as well, so you can get a preview of what it's what it is. It um, there's a still image here, and it just you know it looks like someone interviewing Tom Baker outside. Um, and so it's something that's um, that that is definitely worth the interest of Doctor Who fans here. Yeah, let me give two more links. They've got a Twitter account that's time travel or one word underscore TV. And they've got a Tumble account, timetravel-tv.tumble.com. You, you mean Tumblr, right? Tumblr. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but it's... it's tr- Yeah, Tumble is spelled T-U-M-B-L-R. Yeah, that's the tum- Tumblr it, without an E at the end. It's, yeah. So basically, they're sort of trying to get their 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 their. They've got a mass of great content. I think they're just trying to make it more visible to no, uh, the Doctor Who fans. It's you know because um, like myself, I remember seeing those back in the eighties, but I never uh, had the opportunity to get them myself. Yeah, um, and I think you know back then, I, I think they were just like on um, tape, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, of course. Um, you know, so you had to make sure if you're in the U.S. that you got the right standard, not the PAL version, and all that. So um, that's great that they made it. It's, it they made it available via the website. You know, you could stream it or, or download it. That's great. Yeah, um, I mean, very quickly because we're spending quite a lot of time on this. Uh, if you click on the Galaxy Four page, coming soon, it's got um, you know some of the things that are coming out. Classic audio book, Remembrance of the Daleks. Classic audio book, Full Circle. Um, uh, some figure sets. So an awful lot of stuff there. 
Good stuff. So uh, next bit of news, I think it's something that, that um, too bad Ian's not here because I'm sure he would be very delighted about. Yes, in his neck of the woods. It's uh, Megacon or in Orlando. Uh, the dates are the 10th to the 12th of April uh, uh, this year, 2015. Uh, but what had caught Ian's uh, attention, I think, by Perry G, one of the our other two keen friends, was that amongst the guests has been confirmed, always subjected availability, of course, is uh, Jenna Coleman. Um, uh, Saturday and Sunday only, but mm-hmm. um, they've got a great uh, range. And Me- Megacon, by the way, is not just Dot Two, so they've got um, people from uh, 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 other things there. I was just looking; they've got um, yeah, they got Stan Lee. Well, Karen, uh, well, they got Karen Gillan there, but they got uh, Lou Ferrigo. Uh, they've got um, uh, David Ramsey, who um, I've really been enjoying uh, on Arrow as. Um, the Arrow's, uh, you know, companion. And one for the old-time people. Old-time old time people, that's wrong. Uh, but uh, Carrie, is it Carrie Luez, is it, from The Princess Bride? Uh, oh, A yeah. film that mm-hmm. Ian persuaded me to watch. And I thought, this this, this kid's programme. You've never seen The Princess Bride? Oh my. Yeah, I watched it. I, I watched it because Ian said, and of course it had that great fencing scene. Because I, I, I'd been going on about um, <laughs> if you want to see great fencing, you watch Three Musketeers. You know, with Gene Kelly, that's the best fencing I've ever seen. Um, but anyway, lots of uh, guests on there. Inconceivable. I'm sorry, I had to, I had to get <laughs> that in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm really going to blow your mind. I've, I've never seen Prince's Bride either. So don't oh, inconceivable! <laughs> Lewis, you keep using that word. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, I have to watch it again. Oh, now. my. <laughs> Well, for those of us who are big fans, I, I should mention that uh, Carrie Elvis has written a book about uh, his time on uh, making that film, and it is uh, it is a charming, charming thing that I recommend to everyone. Track down Carrie Elvis's book about his his time being Wesley. It's wonderful. Well, we spoke. I think the last time the, all of us were here, um, but maybe it was maybe minus Dave might have been um, when we spoke about Colin Baker. Uh, joining um, um, Star Trek continues, but so in, in, if, if you haven't seen the series, it's, it's worth checking out this fan-made series. But uh, there's a couple people that are going to be appearing uh, um, that that are from that series that will be appearing at this convention. Uh, Lou Ferrigno, who is most, mostly known as the Incredible Hulk, but he was guest starred in one of those episodes, uh, you know, playing an Orion slave trader. Um, something worth checking out. If you want to see Lou Ferrigno in something out, you know outside of the Hulk, uh, also they have Vic, um, and I'm going to get his name. Vic McNoragna, who plays Kirk, Big but yeah, yes, yeah, very different. He, and he's also the uh, the principal person behind Star Trek Continues. Uh, I, um, you know, as far as um, producing and I think writing as well. I'm not sure. Right. Um, uh, Summer Glau, who uh, are currently, well, certainly in season two is on Arrow, and uh, Sarah Wayne 
Callis is it from The Walking Dead. So um, Megacon is obviously a very broad church of uh, fandom. So there's something for everything, everybody there. And this is um, in Florida, right? Orlando, yeah. Yes, okay. All right. Well, those and those in that neck of the woods, something to keep your eye out, or April 10th to the 12th. That's correct, yeah. All right, cool. Further on in the news, uh, Kyle, I think you did you want to um, make any mention of this? The well, I, I had, um, I'll, I'll mention it briefly. Uh, any of our listeners who are following the, um, I believe it's the eighth Doctor Adventures, uh, there is Dark Eyes 4 coming. I think it's a new series, and there's another version of The Master that is, um, of, of course, before Missy and um, starring Paul McGann as the Eighth Doctor. Don't really know much more about that, but I saw that and I thought that was interesting. So I said, well, we'll share it with our readers. Not our readers, our listeners. Well, they, they may read as well. <laughs> <laughs> but they mostly listen. <laughs> yeah, well, a- I have a habit of referring. I, I, I get called on this all the time. I have a habit of referring to issues of a book or like a magazine as episodes and the reverse uh, <laughs> television episodes as an issue. So um, that's just, once again, I swibbly-wobbly, switchy-switchy. That's quite all right. It's It's a common... Thing, actually, uh, I, you're not you're the only one that, that I've seen uh, that I've seen see, that I've seen that I've heard in podcasts. Do you know? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's a uh, big finish, uh, which uh, does excellent audio adventures, um, continuing adventures of Doctor Who. Uh, you know, using um, all the doctors that are available up until um, you know, I guess up until the eighth. Uh, doctor that they have the the rights to use. Let, let me just mention that the, as with previous sets, Dark Eyes Four is a four part serial written by uh, John Dorney and Matt Finton. Um, a, uh, a Life in the Day, and then uh, the Monsters of Montmartre, I think that is, and then Master of the Daleks and Eye of Darkness. Oh, good stuff. As Big Finish also announced that there's going to be some more in the uh, Companion Chronicles series. Um, I think there's some more Big Finish coming out with that. I haven't got the details to hand, but it's um, these these are uh, Big Finish stories where the, uh, the stories told from the viewpoint of the Companion are major character, are somebody who is. Um, you know, we've had these debates before on this. Of who who's a companion? Have they got to have travelled in the TARDIS to be considered a companion, and so on? So, so mm-hmm. it, it 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 includes people that are not what some people would consider strictly companions, but are obviously key key um, members of the the Doctor Who fraternity, as it were. Excellent. Okay, well, we'll be right back with the big question. What does Doctor Who mean? <laughs> we'll be right back. We're going to explore the, the, this ultimate question, Doctor Who? <laughs> right when we come back. This is Matt Smith, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. 
Hey, have you tried Audible yet? Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, including thrillers, business, romance, comedy, and of course, science fiction, plus a whole lot more. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a th- free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check their, check their service out. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. You can't get to that URL now? Have no fear. Go to our website, podshock.net. You'll find links to the offer there as well. Now, we usually give you a little sampling of a audiobook selection. This week, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but they do have a huge selection of Doctor Who titles, over like 260 titles there of Doctor Who alone. Forget you know all the other science fiction um, you know genres and whatnot that they have there. But uh, you can choose from uh, some, some new releases, such as Doctor Who and Remembrance of the Daleks, or Tales of Trenzalore, which is a uh, 11th Doctor story, the... Remembrance of the Daleks is a seventh Doctor story, or a fourth Doctor story, full circle. Or you could even get a War Doctor story, The Engines of War. If, if you're a Tenth Doctor fan, one of the popular ones is The Stone Rose. I know we, we played a, a clip from that on a previous Doctor Who podcast. There's even a Twelfth Doctor story, uh, Silhouette. So, many to choose from. It doesn't have to be a Doctor Who title that you can choose as your free selection. Uh, you could choose uh, from whatever tickles your fancy, though we have um, good word that you're interested in Doctor Who. So again, to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook and check it out. And if you decide it's not for you, you can cancel and keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. Okay, we're back with Doctor Who Pachak. Uh Again, I'm joined with Dave, Lee, and Kyle. And we're here to ask you, to ask ourselves, to ask everyone, what does Doctor Who mean, really? And to kind of summarize or um, to, um, to kind of bring it home to you, it, I, I can't believe it's almost been, well, it's, it's just over four years ago. Um, it, it was December... Uh, of 2010 that um, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson uh, did a cold open with what, what happened was that Matt Smith was on the show so at the time uh, he felt that most people probably wouldn't know because Matt Smith of obviously you listen to this you know who Matt Smith is the love doctor but at the time he was still fairly new as the doctor. This is 2010, so he had started that spring. So in in the in the U.S., not many. You know, Craig Ferguson felt that many people probably aren't familiar with Doctor Who. Doesn't it hasn't been on mainstream television for 50 years as it has been in the U.K. So he wanted to sort of introduce the series or to recap it very quickly. And what better way to do it than a song and dance number <laughs> to to open the show with? So, 
Um, but unfortunately, he, he couldn't he couldn't do it on the show. And long story short, was that uh, it was put up. They they they, they did it, but it was uh, put on YouTube. And um, and if, if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure if you listen to this, you probably have. But if you hadn't seen it yet, it's available on YouTube. And just to kind of refresh everyone, uh, this is the this is the audio from it. Just to give everyone a refresher. Tonight's show is a little different. Tonight's show is about a man who's not really a man. He's a doctor, but he's not really a doctor. Like Dr. Phil, but awesome. Most people in the United States of America have not heard of him. He's just like me in that regard. Who is he? He's the doctor. Uh, Matt Smith there at the end there saying absolutely. So this was Craig Ferguson's way of summing up what the program was about. Um, you know, and and in it, you know, there's the lyrics, uh, you know, in the song there, which um, says it's it's all about triumph of intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism. And what we're asking is, is that really the case? Is that what Doctor Who's about? What does it mean um, to you? And what does it mean to to us? Personally, I, I think for each of us, it probably means, you know, we have our own meaning that we take from the show. And so I thought it might be interesting to sort of go around and, and find out, you know, what it means to us. And, and this is not to say that ultimately this is the right meaning that, that you should apply to it. Or I think it's, it's personal to anyone, you know, what the show means to you and, and what makes you a fan of it and what attracts you to the program. And um, so obviously Craig Ferguson had to sum it up very briefly. And, and, and I, I 
I agree with that statement that he, you know, um, you know, brute force over, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm mixing it up now. Uh, uh, what, what would Freud say? <laughs> Intellect Your and romance come out. over brute force. Say, are you my mommy? Say, are you my mommy? No, no, that wasn't a Freudian slip. That was a that was a loose Trapani slip, which I'm infamous for. <laughs> Would I be wrong to say that um, wouldn't apply to you three as well? As um, do, do we all agree that might that's probably it wasn't off the mark, but 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 he had you know you know that statement isn't off the mark, right? Well, I, I'm I'm the one who brought up the question. Yes, I should, I, so and I give you full I, credit. Yes. I, I, thank you. Well, you know, I tossed that out as something for us to talk about. But because when uh, I, I could so vividly remember watching that on, on Craig Ferguson's show, which I only tuned into because Matt Smith was going to be there. And, you know, and then I, I learned about this amazing cold open that he'd done, the audacity of trying to write lyrics to that theme song. I mean, <laughs> would you, you just have to salute him if for nothing else for trying to write lyrics to that Doctor Who theme. But um but and he did but it with, I, with I, singers I, and dancers and puppets and <laughs> <laughs> this whole this giant production number yeah very unusual for a late night uh, chat show like his but uh, but yeah then later on when I went online to look for uh, the cold open that we didn't get to see in the broadcast I I got a little a little tear in my eye there I said my God that's it it's all about the triumph intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism. That's so. That is what I love about this show. I, I just didn't expect anybody to quite put it into a bottle well, like that. Uh, yeah, it's but uh, it encompasses but, so, but that, but, the spirit of what it what the, what it's about. At least for me, anyway. So it sounds like yeah, for for us, but. Um, but yeah, then I got very curious about that. That's my experience of this show. But good lord, it's been more than fifty years. What? I, I got really curious in, uh, about what other people think. And uh, um, now I have the honor to be married to the uh, brilliant media psychologist Karen Dill Shackelford, who studies fandom and fan experiences. And she's just written a book about uh, Mad Men fandom, for example. Oh. And one of the things that her study shows that everybody has a different experience of the things that they are fans of, of mm -hmm. course, but there's also this sort of aggregate view and uh, this, this sort of tacit belief that everybody is on board for the same thing. But as we've seen in fandom, sometimes people get into tussles about what their show is all about. Yeah. And, we, and we, all believe, we all feel like we own the franchise, that it belongs to us personally somehow. Um, I um, so yeah, that, that's part of why I'm intrigued by this. We know this is a very real and powerful force that that, that pulls all of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to be Ben Kenobi now, but uh, <laughs> that, that brings us all together and binds us in. in you know, um, I don't well, know. you know, to, to add to what you just said, let's take let's take just a little bit of a subset here of the, the ongoing conversation that everyone has that's a fan of Doctor Who in the sense of who is your favorite doctor. And that goes mm. exactly what you just said, Lee. Everyone has their own individual experience as to who and what they like about Doctor Who. Otherwise, everyone would say the 
whichever doctor is my favorite doctor, but you've had conversations left, right, and center where people literally, like you said, get, get into heated arguments as, well, Tom Baker is the best. No, David Tennant. No, uh, William Hartnell. No, it's mm. so, you know, it, go, it can go back and forth, back and forth. But at the end of the day, it is a personal experience. And I suppose this gets back to something that we've said many times, that the, the genius of this show comes from that moment when we guess it was Sidney Newman who who said, wait a minute, just because this actor is leaving, we don't have to end the show. Right. <laughs> and so now we can have a dozen doctors to choose from. What? Uh, yeah. And we can all be part of the same fandom and have all of those different dimensions and, and facets on it. It's um, yeah. Well, do we know historically who, who was that who, who said, wait a minute, we Bill Hartnell's leaving the show, but that doesn't mean the show has to stop. Wasn't it Sidney Newman? I, I assumed. I guess I've always assumed that it was Sidney Newman. But I think we've assumed it. Certainly, I'm, I'm sure it's historic fact. I mean, one of the um, things we should mention, of course, is that the the adventure in time and space that tried to encapsulate the sort of uh, genesis of uh, the, the story. Uh, and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, I do know uh, Darth, of course, has been on Podshock in the past. He he was rather uh, disappointed with it in somewhat. He was absolutely amazed that they tried to tackle it, and he thought it had been very successful. But uh, he thought the story was so rich and so wonderful, it seemed daft that they seemed to craft it and, uh, and make some changes... Um, uh, you know, to compress things in time. You know, uh, mm. meetings that happened at different t- stages were compressed into a single meeting, and so on. But um, on the other hand, they, they did so much for uh, fans in yeah. terms of uh, actually painting a very real scene. I mean, I've been a fan of it right from the start, um, and I do know there are some people that sometimes say, "I'm done with Doctor Who now," uh, and maybe they. Do literally do that, they are done with it and they don't come back to it. For most people, they will have times when they sort of, it whacks and wanes out of their life, maybe because they're going through uh, personal situations of their own, maybe they've, mm-hmm. you know, they've just had new children, young children uh, and it, it, it recedes into the background of their consciousness uh, but certainly here in the UK, you know, it's it's entwined in the, the social consciousness. Uh, the, there isn't hardly a, a TV show that goes on without some vague reference to it, whether it's, um, you know, um, an estate agent showing somebody around the house and somebody making um, a, a, a reference to, you know, the tardy size of the rooms or the inside to the outside or... Um, uh, some reference of that sort it's, it's actually embedded within the cultural thing uh, a nice analogy I was trying to think of uh, and I think I may have grasped one is um, the doctor is the doctor and if you know your Hippocratic oath you know that the um, the, the doctor's symbol is a is a, a rod with a, a couple of snakes mm-hmm. entwined around mm, it the caduceus so if you think of the, the rod as the, the, the timeline of the Doctor uh, and the, uh, the director is sort of uh, uh, twirling his imagination and, and, and bending mm. Doctor Who to his thing, and you as the viewer, uh, having your sort of own personal relationship to that staff, and at points 
those two or three combined and you are in sync you're in a year as one and there will be many people that would say you know uh, the Russell T Davis era uh, was you know their era That's that was their storytelling the humanity that he brought to it the way he could have uh, conversations the, the way he wrote uh, you know the speeches and the, the, the real interrelationships other people will say no that they prefer um earlier times and earlier ways of interpreting the the doctor and the companion relationship so there are times when you a little bit like the cycles come together um like these different circadian rhythms that people suppose they have through the 24 hours uh, and then there are times when you sort of phase off it i phased off it somewhat a little bit when um Although I love Stephen Moffat, I was very keen for him to come, and I love the work that he did with um, uh, Blink and so on. Um, but then he kept saying that he, he wanted the fairy tale element to be more prominent, uh, and that I didn't like. I didn't like the way he took the master into this sort of maniacal type thing. I much prefer the Roger Delgado, mm. the cool, uh, well. Back to um, Sherlock Holmes again, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, yeah. So uh, I think um, Doctor Who can return, but ne- and recede, but never leaves a person who's become a Doctor Who fan. Uh, it's almost part of their childhood, part of their growing well, up, well, and is a, well, a familiar well, blanket sometimes. William, William Hartnell said once, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something to, along the lines that once you're touched by Doctor Who, it stays with you for your entire life. So, yeah. Something like that. Um, I'm sure if I look up the quote, I can find it, but it, it just goes to what you just said. Yeah, I mean, we've been put through lots of things. We've had these um, times when Doctor Who's been off our, the air. We've had changes from half-hour half episodes, or 25-minute episodes, to the, the longer ones. We've had it on Saturdays and then suddenly went to midweek. This is in the classic era, of course. Um, and then we've had this uh, split series. I mean, really... Um, the BBC have been uh, played hard and fast with the Doctor Who franchise, almost to thinking, well... The Doctor Who fans will watch it, whatever we do with it, you know, and um, and they've manipulated it uh, in many ways for for reasons not that familiar with the the fans of the show. We just want it on the air. Uh, I'll I'll speak up for Ian here, who can't be with us, of course. Uh, you know, he will say um, if Doctor Who's on TV, I'm happy. Um, he may like some more than others. But if he's got a new Doctor Who to watch, that is an event to 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 watch out for. Now, there are some people that would say that Doctor Who is is not event TV as much now. Uh, in fact, the actual viewing figures here in the UK somewhat uh, reflect that in terms of uh, if there are two big programmes on, most people won't watch Doctor Who live. But the reason is because they'll want to record it. Why do they want to record it? Because they want to blow in freeze frame every little second of it to, to find out what happened. It's nothing to do with the fact that the other programme was a better programme, uh, demanded their attention, or uh, maybe the wife is in charge of the remote control. Not necessarily to say that women aren't now bigger, bigger fans. And I think if we are going to talk about changes with Doctor Who over time, the, the most incredible one... I've seen is the fact that, you know, there are Doctor Who fans who know girls now. Not only that, there are Doctor Who fans who know girls 
and girls know what they're talking about when they talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah, that's stunned that's you, isn't it? <laughs> the same thing has happened in the Sherlockian world, too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, you and know, of course, you go back and you look at, when, when we think about the history of Doctor Who, and we go back and we look at this very small budget, very, you know, moderately done, this is the best way that I could put it for an unearthly child, but that mm. there was that one little bit of magic somewhere in that episode that allows us to sit here in 2015 and have this conversation. Imagine all of the hundred other shows, be they science fiction, be they comedy, be they whatever, whether it's in Britain, whether it's in the United States, whether it's in Australia, wherever. Something survived, some little piece of magic that made it where it was simulcast on the 50th anniversary around the world. I mean, yeah. how great is that? <laughs> well, well, I'll, show, I'll tell so you something true, else yeah. as well. There are two major science fiction franchises on TV, and both had two pilots made. One was Star Trek, and one was Doctor Who. And I think... Uh, I, I must admit, I've actually not tried to watch the original Unearthly Child, the one that didn't, uh, which I believe you can see now. But um, yeah. Uh, um, but again, I mean, we know we know with Star Trek, famously, you know, uh, they said go back and try again, didn't they? I mean, uh, that turned up again um, in the cage, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as the menagerie. Um, yeah. Right, um, but. Um, so, so, so that was a, a little bit of a fortune for it. Uh, again, to quote Dale Skeptic, and I think I hope I'm not misquoting him, uh, one of the things that he's actually said about Classic Who is that um, the fact that we've had missing episodes of Doctor Who is perhaps one of the best things that ever happened to Doctor Who. <laughs> because um, the, the myth and the yearning and the want uh. to see those episodes far outweighs and strengthens the fandom more than the actual realisation when you see those episodes. Uh, maybe if you saw the, you know, you suddenly see a missing episode of the Underwater Menace or Galaxy 4 or whatever. Now, I would take out of that equation mm. the, the, the two recent ones that we talked about, Lewis, a while back, um, you know, uh, Web of Fear mm -hmm. and the, uh, the, the Enemy one. And, yeah. um, uh, the, the, the two back-to-back... Enemy of the other two back-to-back second-dot mm -hmm. ones, which to me really lived up to my memory of them. Well, I was just um, going to bring that up because you have the unique perspective of many of these many many of these missing episodes. You may recall from your own memory watching them. You know where some of us, like many of us Yanks, if you will, you know, never saw them. So, you know, we only have the audio perhaps to go by, but we don't, or, or the novelizations, but, um, but we never seen them, but you, for you, it's, they're, they're missing, but you have, a, but they're, but you also have a memory of them as well. Yeah, I wish I had a better memory of him. I'd love to, if I was ever going to go under a hypnotist, it would be to sort of recall those. <laughs> I mean, I often tease people, I say one of my favourite Doctor Who stories is the Celestial Toymaker. Mm. And people say, what are you talking about? Nobody's ever seen that. I said, I did. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I, I, That's pretty I have cruel, a question though. for you. Do, do you recall uh, Power of the Daleks, the first uh, Troughton 
Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, with Victoria, that's with Victoria, about. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, I don't remember all the details. Obviously, I, I don't. But um, I, I, to, to use the word powerful seems uh, uh, too simplistic to use. But yes, they, they were very, very good stories indeed. Uh, the other thing about Doctor Who then, as well, slightly sidestepping your question, is the um, the fact that they could, you know, if a story needed seven episodes to tell it, it was a seven episode story. Uh, I mean, there were occasions when, no doubt, that they had to sort of extend stories. We, 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 we know stories where uh, they've actually used a story, uh, they've had to go... In, in fact, uh, even going right back to the beginning, um, from that time and space, you know, Verity Lambert saying, we've got to go with this next story, but goddamn machines, one-eyed fingers, I, don't we, I didn't right. want any bug-eyed... But we had, they had to go with it, because that's the only script... Uh, that they had ready, even though they didn't have the um, the creature itself. I mean, there's so many things. Um, I don't know the psychologists talk about gestalt, I gestalt, but uh, it, it is the coming together, isn't it? I mean, a little bit like Blake 7. Blake 7 was a very... could have been a very run-of-the-mill B-movie, uh, but it, it just clicked. Mm. I mean, all of us have seen movies. I mean, if you, if you, if you go to something like... Um, Ooh, um, what's the one with the pods? The sci-fi one with the pods? Um, invasion, invasion of the Body Snatchers. Really? really? It's probably a low-budget film, but it fa- is. a yeah. fantastic mm-hmm. film. Mm-hmm. You know, um, people have been talking about uh, the original thing um, uh, from another from another planet. Um, brilliant! Not the John Carpenter one. The the original yeah. one that mm-hmm. uh, was based on it. From I mean, world some of the yeah. Thing from another yeah. world, yeah. yeah. I mean, sometimes low budget doesn't mean. I mean, they said that about Casablanca. Mm. People making Casablanca didn't think it was anything out of the ordinary when they're making it. But the chemistry, as, as Kyle said, sometimes the chemistry just happens. Yeah, and there's a reliance then on on wit rather than. Uh, throwing expensive things at the screen. I, I think that's part of what Kyle was touching on a little while ago. That you can see it there in Unearthly Child. It's like we we know that this isn't a multi-million dollar production, but but listen to this dialogue. Look at these performances. Look at how smart this is. Uh, oh, somebody yeah. on a somebody on a, online was asking the other day. Um, you may have seen this, Louis. They say what what is the moment when you became a Doctor Who fan? And I. And I realized, I remember, for me, it was seeing Genesis of the Daleks and that moment where the doctor is ready to blow up the nursery. Ah, have I the right? Mm-hmm. Have I the right? And he can't do it. And I thought, this may be the biggest idea I've ever seen on a, on a low-budget TV, you know, TV uh, sci-fi adventure show. I, I have the opportunity now to destroy my enemy. Should I be doing that? Don't I become them when I... You know, mm-hmm. and I, that's that's when I was hooked. I said, "I'm coming back for more of this." So, so that must have actually resonated very greatly with you when we, we get uh, the ninth Doctor, wounded Doctor, uh, one that's performed genocide. Um, it just shows that you can you know you can relate to the fact of how that you know has weighed so heavily on the Doctors, right? Uh, with the tenth Doctor and so on, and then and then. I mean, I don't know whether I feel right about this, uh, inserting the war doctrine there. Um, I mean, I would, 
in some ways, I would have liked Paul McGann to have taken that story forward. But mm. um, but then again, that's where yeah. we come back to our internal interpretation of how the Doctor should develop and how his adventures should be and how the showrunner gets. I mean, let's face it, if, if you had the power, if you were the showrunner, you'd want to mould it towards your... Uh, idea of it and and we've been really very blessed with the people that have been in charge they've always been people and because the, the sheer length of the the thing you've got people like David Tennant he was a fan first Peter Capaldi a fan mm -hmm. first <laughs> it's yeah. utterly marvellous the growing up to get to actually be the doctor yeah well Lee you had suggested before what what first you know, attracted you to Doctor Who, and 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 you had just explained, you know, um, you know, for you what it was, and and when I thought about, well, what does Doctor Who mean to me? That actually, that that's what I thought about was what it's sort of like that first love or or, or the love of your life. What what first attracted you to that person, or or mm. um, and how that how that relationship first blossomed and flourished, and um, and for me, I. Discovered it in the late seventies. Because damn it, start killing other people. <laughs> I discovered it in the late seventies and fell and, and basically um, the romance began in the eighties and early eighties and that's really when my love affair of Doctor Who started. And it come, and for me, it's really the the title says it really all. I mean, Doctor Who. Uh, you know, it's always said that it should have been a question mark there because mm, yeah. it, it it comes down to the the title character really per, uh, personifies the, uh, the 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 series and, and what it means to me. Here we have an alien who's eccentric and um, but he's himself. He doesn't care what other people think. He dresses the way he likes and um, he's curious. He has this uh, childlike curiosity. He's always asking questions. And he's anti-authoritative. He's, uh, you know, it, it, it's this anti-authority streak through the whole series. He was running from his own people. And and, and I, I realize that some of this stuff doesn't apply to the series today, but I'm going back to when I discovered it and, and, and the, what attracted me to it. Because at that time, we just had here in, in, in the U.S. before, um, again, putting his mindset back in the, in, in the late 70s, early 80s, this is before Star Trek The Next Generation. This is, we were in a deficit of science fiction, and, uh, as a, and I've always been a science fiction fan. So uh, here I, I stumbled across this series. I had heard about Doctor Who before, but I hadn't seen it before. I, uh, I, I came across it on a Saturday morning here. They were showing, it, they were showing two episodes back-to-back -back late Saturday mornings, and I started watching it then. It was Tom Baker, and, and, and this is what what compelled me these these aspects that here you had this character that was fallible who wasn't captain kirk wasn't he wasn't off to try to sleep with everyone that he meets you know and uh, <laughs> yeah I, i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but i'm just saying this is something it's, it's an alternative to what it was different it was yeah. different for us yeah um and it, he was an underdog and he stood up for other, other underdogs and and then you had this open universe, you know, this format of you can go anywhere in time and space. You know, it's completely open to explore, though there are limitations. You know, he could only regenerate 12 times. You know, there were, there were certain the, the, the TARDIS was always stuck in the form of a police box, you know. So, so there were certain limitations, even though it had this wide open format. 
and and that's why I always feel that it's important to keep certain limitations intact in the program, and that's why I you know I love the mystery of this doctor because we you know. Um, he he puts the who in Doctor Who, you know. Uh, we didn't know who his background. We, we knew very little about his background. Um, he was ambiguous. He's, um, you know, about his family. Um, he there was no hanky panky going on the TARDIS that we could see. We didn't know what his sexuality was, if it even mattered or whatever, you know. And um, yeah. and and again, this is different than what we've seen in other science fiction series. And so th- this was all exciting at the time. Uh, and at, at that time, there were cliffhangers. You know, speaking of excitement, you would get, you would, oh, yeah. There were half hour shows, and then you would leave you with this cliffhanger, and you had to wait till, you know, the next episode to find out what happened. You knew, you know, he was going to get out of it, but how? You know, he, you know him and his companions. And, um, and speaking of companions, it's, it's a show about companionship and friendship because. Um, even though I, I do enjoy an occasional story of just the doctor without a companion, but the companions play a crucial job, um, you know, is intrinsic in, t- in the series. And, um, you know, and, and, and he relies, he seeks out companionship and friendship, you know, as, as opposed to sexual relations. <laughs> so, and, and humor is always part of it. You know, um, again, my introduction was yes, with Tom Baker and, you know, he was always injecting humor in, in, and he, things, no matter how serious the situation was, he didn't take things too seriously, you know. And and when he did, you know, he, <laughs> it was it was a call to action because that's you, you know if if he's upset and he's angry, you know things are really bad. Um, the Britishness of it is also part of the fabric of Doctor Who, which you know. I, even if there was to be, you know, um, another production that's held by, you know, Americans or Australians or you know, French people, it has to remain British. You know, it, it, it's yeah. part of what the series is. It's it's part of if it's it's part of its fabric. Um, Even when it's made in Canada, it's still British. Yes, you know. <laughs> So basically, I mean, all these like ingredients came together, and and is to me is really what you know, you know, other than the larger, you know, um, wider, you know, um, definitions, but but these little ingredients all come together, and um, you know, this I always say that the thing that that's great about Doctor Who is it's all about stories and characters. You know, it, stories and characters triumph over. You know, shoddy effects and, and shaky sets, you know, <laughs> because it, it really is. I mean, it, it didn't matter yeah. if, it you know, the effects paled in, in comparison to what we've seen in Star Wars or, you know, again, putting your mindset back in the late 70s. It didn't matter because the stories were there and the characters were there. And that's really what, what gripped you and, and kept you going. You know, uh, you could you could you could actually turn the TV off, you know, turn the, the, the picture off rather than just listen to it, and it will still be just as compelling, though you want to watch it. <laughs> the shows for which we only have the audio track surviving, yeah, some exactly. of them make very satisfying radio shows. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they're splendid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, hmm. uh, Not a word uh, to disagree with there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I think back, I mean, I, I did... Watch Doctor Who from the start and uh, and enjoy watching it. But I think it, um, first of all, I mean, one of the reasons why I've always wanted them to have uh, male companions in the TARDIS is that um, you know Ian Chesterton, I thought, was 
a great companion. I mean, if you if you watch him in the Aztecs, um, you know that that's exactly they had the, the the balance there. He was, you know, because obviously the Doctor was a, portrayed as a, a frailer man in late on in his. Uh, his, his first life, presumably, at this time. So um, I, I always identified him. So that meant that um, when Patrick Troughton came along, um, I thought he was he was actually my favourite Doctor. Well, actually, my favourite Doctor all the way up until the 10th Doctor and David Tennant. Um, but even that, uh, I, I found it a little bit of a, an issue when he first started. I hated that stovepipe hat that he wore right at the beginning mm-hmm. and uh, as soon as he got rid of that that was all right uh, and then then with the third doctor i thought oh john pertwee he's a comedian he's a uk comedian he pulls his face uh, but he was marvelous he had the benefit of course of his very first story being during the uh, the strike and therefore it was all fir- filmed therefore it's the only story uh, as of yet that uh, well from the classic series that has made it onto blu-ray because of the quality of the image um tom baker running on the spot being a viking having a viking helmet on his face i thought blimey who's this idiot <laughs> uh you know what i mean and uh, i think he'd been had he been in the seventh voyage of sinbad before that mm-hmm. um yeah. in gold, so, golden um, voyage golden voyage thank you yeah. so uh, i was a little bit uh, you know, miffed about that. So, um, yeah. Uh, and by the way, I think I, I made a mistake earlier when you were asking about Power of the Daleks. I said uh, uh, Victoria didn't. Uh, it was Evil of the Daleks she joined. It was Polly that was still in the Power of the Daleks. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Polly and... So, uh, uh, I make enough mistakes without you getting an email about that. So, uh, <laughs> correct that. Do not um, send emails to Dave. Yeah, uh, uh, so then, I mean, uh, we can't go all the way through. I, but um, it's an interesting point, Dave. About- as far as uh, John Pertwee, he was he was known as he was a comedian, and he then everyone thought you know he was going to take this role and 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 you know have fun with it and as a comedy role. But he took it the other way. He played it very serious. You know, you know, he he brought the whole James Bond aspect to Doctor Who, and it's interesting. You know, you reminded me because I had forgotten about it. But yeah, but when he was cast as Doctor Who, he was known as a comedian, and people, you know, he, he did the Navy Lark. He's he he was he was known for his comedy and did the Navy. He did the Navy Lark for about twenty five years on radio. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Uh, and if you've ever, by the way, if you ever find a YouTube, there's a. I think it's on YouTube, uh, but there's a, a long interview of about an hour with John Pertwee and he had a one-man show based on it it might have even been a recording of that absolutely fascinating man unbelievable Mm -hmm. and Sean Pertwee anybody who's seen Sean Pertwee uh, in Gotham uh, and then he posted a fantastic picture just recently of him in his father's costume I think it was for Halloween wasn't it oh I I couldn't believe it when I saw that I said hey that's cheating (laughs) <laughs> to make that your Halloween costume. That's yeah. just cheating. Yeah, it, it, uh, any cosplay competition, you'd win that. Exactly, yeah, that's, that's no fair. <laughs> yeah, um, but then, you know, so... Uh, and, and then we go on, I mean, um, Colin Baker, Sixth Doctor. Uh, one of the advantages of Doctor Who being on so long is that he's had time to come back into the franchise through all those marvellous, uh, you know, big finished audio things, 
uh, Sean Great, uh, the um, the Eighth Doctor from just the TV movie, which well, again, you, 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 I mean, people people have a philosophy in life, don't they? Some people that think, uh, well, it happened, it happened for the right reasons or whatever. I mean, American British co-production of the time. It didn't really work. Put uh, Doctor Who back ten years, but if it hadn't put Doctor Who back ten years, would we have had the absolutely unbelievable quality that we've had? And uh, guys, are you ready for it? When did you say it came back? Two thousand five. What year yeah. are we in now? now yeah. Ten years on. It's unbelievable. Month, it doesn't seem like it, was, it does it. I think yeah. it was March. Wasn't it March twenty sixth or was it the twenty fourth or something? March twenty sixth, two thousand five. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So we're ap- approaching the anniversary of ten years. I, it's hard to believe. Yeah, there'd be some young whippersnapper, you know, age twenty or whatever, saying, "Oh, I remember when the." Uh, <laughs> the Ninth Doctor, he was my doctor. And you're thinking, well, that was only about two years ago. <laughs> right. It feels like it. Yes. Well, like I said, when we were talking about the cold open, I can't believe that's almost five, almost a half a decade. That was 2010. Right. I mean, granted, it was December or um, maybe late November that uh, that episode went out, whatever. So, uh, But still. Yeah. But we, we hadn't seen a lot of Matt at that point. We didn't. Yeah. We, we we've did, only saw didn't his first. really know who it his first series at that time, you know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. He was so mm. fresh and new at the time. <laughs> but uh, just brings back to the, the original question, I suppose. Yeah, I think that uh, the, the the song and the, the words um, that, that were in that little supposedly five-minute humorous thing did capture an awful lot about it. I mean, uh, who can remember, the? you know, if we go back to certain episodes, go back to, is it Tooth and Claw when they're, um, you know, they're locked in the library uh, or somewhere else and there's, uh, you know, uh, you know, we're away from the weapons, we've got no weapons. And he said, you're surrounded by weapons. The books. books. I mean, how, how many... T- I mean, uh, we've, we've had uh, the Tenth Doctor in Shakespeare Code or whatever it was say, you know, uh, you know all, all the lectures of, about Shakespeare have thrown their hands in the air because he's talked about, you know, gay love or something. And, and yet there must have been an awful lot of teachers that have been pleased that, you know, the Doctor said, you know, the greatest weapon, it, you know, basically the, the pen is mightier than the sword mm-hmm. in, in modern-day language. It's unbelievably good. Again and what and again. about all? And what about all the fan create all the creation that goes on it? The people making Tardis, uh, knitting things, uh, writing fan fiction, writing adult fan fiction about it. Um, women, uh, I'm not quite sure how how this has suddenly grown, but it's an absolutely marvelous thing. Where you know the, there are female tenth doctors in cosplay and. Uh, all sorts of things. The, 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 I well, don't think you can underestimate. All the doctors had have well, all of them. Yeah, you yes. can't yeah. underestimate Whoa. what a boon to fandom. Women adopting it is, and, and the other thing is the, the international scale of it. The the sheer number of uh, um, you know countries that it done. Then things like the you know Doctor at the proms. I mean, how many TV shows have? You know, two or three proms. Right. Unbelievable. Get to perform events. at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Dave, you, you just yeah. touched upon something there that brings me back to 
30 years ago. You know, um, I mean, th- this year also marks the 30th anniversary of the Gallifreyan Embassy. And it's one thing that I've always noticed back even 30 years ago with fandom, when it comes to Doctor Who, it seemed to be, when it comes to Doctor Who fans, a more of an even split or more of an even mix between male and female fans where... Um, it seems more leaning towards male fans when you think of Star Trek. Not to say that there's not a lot of women Star Trek fans, by no means. I'm just saying that the ratio seems to be more weighted on male fans, at least that I was exposed to at conventions and and gatherings and whatever and and, um, writings and whatever. Um, it, It seemed to be that way. But not with Doctor Who. It seemed more evenly split down the middle when it came down to um, you know, gender, you know, um, as far as ratios go. Well, uh, uh, in my ear, I can hear Ian, time travelling now, I can hear Ian listening to this <laughs> saying, David, mention what my wife said. It was David Tennant and Dr Hottie. That's what got them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I remember that that, uh, <laughs> that his wife called her Dr Hottie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, better the than, is, better yeah. than Billy Piper's name for him, which I won't repeat. Um. <laughs> you remind me that when I went to my first Gallifrey, something I'd always wanted to do, always wanted to go to the Gallifrey One convention, and my son and I were coming down that big uh, escalator. You, you guys know mm-hmm. the one I mean. Yes, the one been, that goes downstairs. And uh, right, and um, the first thing we saw coming down on the main floor was a, a young woman dressed as the Tenth Doctor, and a young woman dressed very convincingly as Captain Jack, and the two of them were locked in a passionate kiss. <laughs> and my son and I both said, "Well, there's something you don't see every day." <laughs> um, but it was it was welcome to the new world of Doctor Who fandom. This is what I knew. This is not what I knew in the seventies and eighties. And uh, I said, "Well." This is a whole new world. This is amazing. Um, with something has been touched on on a universal. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I think we, we've talked about how it's changed, how it's developed, how it's grown, and how it's steadfastly maintained. You know, uh, the, the the audience. What it wants you grab by Doctor Who. Most people stay with it. What do you think of being the? Um, the parts of Doctor Who that have been unchanging, things, elements that maybe if they had have changed may have threatened this this uh, this love and lightness and, and thing. Is that obviously yeah, something yeah. that they mustn't change? A great question, yeah. Yeah, I, I was wondering that too. What would it take to run us off from this fandom? That's, I think it's a great question. You know, Dave, I think when you say what what has been unchanging... I'm going to play on words a little bit. I think the fact of change has been unchanging. It's the only it, constant thing yes, in the universe. I was going to say that, Lee. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that right there, you know, you go back and you look at the first four actors that were the companions and the doctor, long since gone. I mean, and, you know, change, change you know, constant even with even as the companions came and go, you know, came and uh, came in, came out. Uh, the doctors came in, come out. Monsters came in, come out. Everything, you know, has been, always been about change, and I think that's part of what kind of touches us to some degree. Is you know, look at look at how we 
ourselves as human beings deal with change. And to see a, a program, um, I'll speak for myself for a moment, of just in the last year, I went through a major change with, with my work situation. And, and going from that situation of knowing, you know, hey, uh, the company I'm working for is being bought. Now here comes the new owners and everything's about to change. I kid you not that I took Matt Smith's goodbye speech and listened to that over and over and over again. Sure. Uh, and it, it was, you know, almost soothing mm-hmm. to know that, yes, we do change and, um, you know, but that I'll always remember this. And uh, that was, you know, just like a, for me, it was just a good way to help transition to a next stage and i think if you know regardless of who the fans are whether they're male whether they're female whether they're young whether they're old whether they're on this side of the pond whether they're on the other side of the pond wherever they may be if you take the premise of doctor who and you look at it for what it is you will find something in it that you can relate to and use that for whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, and, you know, share that with other people. So, I mean, I know that's a little philosophical to some degree, but again, from my own experience, that a television show could bring that is just amazing. Yeah. I, I do feel as though there, there has to be there has to be an anchor though, um, and I think the anchor for Doctor Who is the TARDIS. I think um, I think that's something that I mean you can change the wallpaper, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe in a particular story you can have a reason why uh, the TARDIS changes. Uh, maybe it comes a siege TARDIS or whatever, something. But the TARDIS is, is fundamental. I was on a, 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 a... I have more than one interest in science fiction, as all of us do. Uh, and on the um, Blake 7 on Facebook, uh, they were talking about there, you know, when people may have lost a little bit of interest in, say, the final series of Blake 7. And one person said, well, well it's simple, uh, you know, uh, and spoiler here, uh, they got rid of the Liberator, which is the the, the main ship mm-hmm, in yeah. Yeah. Lake Seven. If you're not familiar, uh, and yeah. that th- that was the emblem. That was the. I mean, you could argue that they also had Orac, the the computer as well. But basically, it was never the same once they lost that ship. You could argue that Star Trek would it survive without a ship called Enterprise? So. I mean, I think there are some not immutable things because uh, there are changes, but uh, I do think um, the TARDIS and, and one of the reasons why the Neil Gaiman story, um, uh, the, the first one that he did, should I say, because the second one I wasn't quite as keen on, but um, the, doctor's uh, wife. Where, the doctor's wife, yeah, uh, and I had a little bit of difficulty with that in some respects because um, you know these auntie and uncle, these rather strange people uh, outside and. Uh, I was a little disappointed with the the, the uh, having um, you know um, the two the two companions basically running up and down the corridors. Not really outside of the story, they were sort of they were sort of put on hold while the doctor and the doctor's wife had the the main story. But um, 
I still think that was a very, very, very important story in terms of uh, reconnecting maybe newer members of the audience that the, the, the TARDIS is this living thing, that there is this connection. You know, uh, I mean, well, I mean, it, there must be a lot of women that say first, that. And to the Willie Hartnell, first series of Willie Hartnell, where um, the, the TARDIS was, you know, conveyed as a character in itself. Right. Absolutely. Let's go back. I mean, to American viewers. I mean, the the uh, the best analogy I could think of, you know, is if uh, if um, a middle aged guy who's um, you know he's got his uh, Harley Davidson, and his wife says it's either me or the Harley. You're not quite sure which way he's going to choose, are you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean. the, the, the big laugh in the doctor's wife, you know, I, I just love this line. Is when, uh, uh, Amy realizes that the, this woman is the TARDIS, and she says, did you wish really, really hard? <laughs> uh-huh. well, it's very true. Yeah, I think we could, we could change a lot of things, but I don't think you could take the TARDIS out of Doctor no. Who. That, just, that's, uh, that is, yeah. in essence... Well, th- those in a, in in a way, um, though in a limited way, it happened briefly with John Pertwee, the, the third Doctor, being stuck on Earth, and at one point he just had this console in in, in like the garage there, and he was he was working That's right. on it. And you know, and you know, I, I have I sometimes I have trouble putting my finger on what it is that I don't enjoy so much about those shows, and and of course that's it. Yeah, it's the Doctor without his TARDIS. Yeah. Um, yeah, but 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 they were smart enough to not do away with it. You would whether he's always there it or yeah. not. It was always there. In That's the, right. It's in, always in the background. In his laboratory. <laughs> we were talking about sea devils uh, in the show before last. Yeah, and I, I had forgotten until seeing it again that uh, the doctor asks the master very innocently, uh, "What's happened to his TARDIS?" And the master says, "I know why you want to know where my TARDIS is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to tell you." Yeah. <laughs> I know, and, and, and a large, which we, we we mentioned during the review there, in a larger sense, they're both prisoners. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now we've been talking for some time, and I don't know how much long we've got, Lewis. Uh, Lewis will call time shortly, I assume. But um, that was I'm a real pose, question. I think I'm going to I'm going to pose no, I'm going to pose one yeah. more question okay. if I may. Do you think Doctor Who, at some point, not necessarily now, would benefit from? Uh, arrest. I remember when um, when we had the confidentials and Russell T. Davis had just taken over. One of the very first confidentials I, I remember saw, he was talking about, you know, that um, basically he was saying that I don't own Doctor Who. I, I'm the caretaker of Doctor Who and I'll be the caretaker for the next five years mm. and then I'll step away and then some other team will come and maybe there will be a gap between that and maybe Doctor Who will be arrested but there will always be Doctor Who on TV though not always necessarily, you know, in a continuous line. Uh, uh, we're coming up to 10 years. Uh, do you think the BBC, and I don't want to frighten anybody here, but I mean, do you think the BBC might ever think uh, we'll rest Doctor Who for two or three years for whatever reason, budgetary mm. or whatever? Well, we did have a limited um, exposure to it in 2009 with the specials. You know, we didn't get a full series. We got... We got a handful of specials that mm-hmm. filled that that year, you know. So I don't know if that was because of budgets, um, there, there wasn't funding, or um, uh, David Tennant was off doing other things, doing and, other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So um, I, even when even the wilderness years, you know, when Doctor that that, that those gaps that that when uh, between um, you know the 1996 movie and when when the series came back in 2005. It's you know Doctor Who continued in novels in big Finnish audio productions and um, you know it, it finds a way just like life finds a way it's Doctor uh, Who it, 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 will always somehow exist in some format you know be it you know fan productions you know just like you know mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier with Star Trek fan productions are continuing the um, you know the, the the Gene Roddenberry vision of Star Trek. Now that it's been off the air for ten, speaking of ten years, isn't it about ten years since um, um, Enterprise was off the air? Hmm. So they're maybe Trek, so, yeah. Yeah, Star Trek fans are going through the same thing. They want the series to come back wow. onto television. On so, television. Uh, yeah. I think you know, Doctor Who may leave the TV airways for a bit, but I think it will. Hmm. It's always destined to come back. It's just it's. To borrow a character that's close to Lee's heart, it's like Sherlock Holmes. You know, it's uh, mm. it, it would always the character will always be there, and the stories are always there. Jeremy Brett, Jeremy Brett, Jeremy yeah. Brett. <laughs> I hear you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you remind me, in fact, that um, um, uh, Dave mentioned uh, Gestalt psychology earlier, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder we we should mention uh, Bluma Zygarnik. Do you know who she was? She was a, a Soviet psychologist. Um, she died in 1988. But anyway, her her one of the things that she gets a she gets an effect named after her, the Zygarnik effect. That her her research suggested that we are most emotionally invested in things that aren't finished. The things that are somehow incomplete or no, the things no that closure. submit themselves right. And, and I think and I thought about um, Zygarnik when you when you mentioned that how wonderful it is. I guess it was Darth Skeptical who said this, how wonderful it is that a lot of the early Doctor Who's are missing. That's brilliant. We couldn't have planned it better, you know. <laughs> it triggers the Zygarnik effect and we want we know that Doctor Who will never be finished. Uh so I know. I have an idea. If if it ever came time to just button the series off, to just say, okay, this is it. My idea is that the, whoever is the doctor at that point, he or she regenerates one more time. They die, they regenerate, and they and we hear them say, we hear the doctor say, well, that's not what I expected. Looks in the mirror, and he's William Hartnell. Oh, that's a bit. Um quantum leapish that <laughs> yes so it never ends oh uh, no it's time say, tunnel. Is it exactly. time tunnel time well, that's true it's revisiting <laughs> some of the revisiting some of the faces again but just the favorites mm-hmm. <laughs> that's right yeah so go back to but before any of <laughs> our listeners get depressed that we're thinking that uh, <laughs> it's going to come off air nobody is talking about that if there is to be another showrunner after Series 9, um, and I, I, I'm not one of the ones that's unhappy with it, uh, the only thing is I would try and nudge it a little bit more away from fairy tales. That's the only discordant note I have with Dot 2 at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, love Jenna Coleman. I'm one of the ones that people that's just absolutely glad that Clara is here. Uh, I'll be glad that Clara is now hopefully Audrey Clara along yes. for the ride the Doctor I mean one of the greatest things about the Christmas episode to me 
was that final scene where basically, as I said, and I said earlier on, that you know the 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 naval gazing hopefully is over, and the doctor saying to this rejuvenated uh, Clara, you know, there's all this space and time out there, and. Um, they can go unencumbered out into the world and hopefully out into space, uh, different time zones, but worlds where there are other races on them. But um, if they could just get a little bit, it doesn't have to be hard, hard science fiction, but just a little bit away from... uh, And that's another step I'll make with uh, Lee being here, is uh, I kept calling that episode uh, Forest of Sherwood... uh, Sherlock, rather, rather than Sherlock. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think I've done that too, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I always so, agree uh, with you there. Robots of Sherlock, yeah. Dave, you know, as, as far as the, the fantasy fairy tale, there needs to be some balance there. I mean, not, not to say they can't explore that from time to time, but it just seems to be of late too heavily weighted on, on that aspect of, of what the series yeah. is. Did not dig the fairy tale. No, no, mm-hmm. no, no. So, hey, I wanted to share something that I saw uh, circulating on Facebook. Uh, you, you other guys may have seen this as well, but uh, I had not seen it before uh, an, uh, another fellow fan pointed it my way. But and I don't know where this comes from, but it, it's just a, a screen grab of a comment that somebody made somewhere. But um, but this person was saying Doctor Who is such a deceptive fandom. Like, at first, you just think there's seven seasons, no big deal. Then there are two spinoffs, and there's 700 episodes of Classic Who. Then there's the audio dramas, and they have all the spinoffs of their own, and there's books. And don't forget the comics. And, well, my friend, if you think you know anything about Doctor Who, you were wrong. And the reply to this was, Doctor Who fandom is bigger on the inside. (laughs) Just like this podcast. It's yeah, powerful. so that, that's why I thought I thought that was the great way to to log on. Well, yeah, yeah, I I just thought that is actually a very elegant summary of mm-hmm. just just as 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 a fan perspective. Yeah, you you can you can take Doctor Who very superficially, but if you want to dig deeper, it just keeps going down and down and oh, down. Oh, sure, definitely. Yeah, but have all these people the, who think that. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that's one of the aspects that you know. Speaking about things that initially attracted me to the series was that it had a history that I didn't know. You know, where at yeah. that time, you know, I knew every Star Trek episode backwards and forwards, and you know, here, you know, my introduction to Doctor Who was you know the the, the fifth Doctor, then he regenerated. I mean, the fourth Doctor, then he regenerated into the fifth Doctor, and I hadn't you know I knew about you know these other Doctors you know from reading you know mm-hmm. that came before him, but. I hadn't seen anything from William Hartnell to you know through through uh, John Pertwee. It just wasn't available. In, it wasn't broadcast in the states at that time. So um, That's right. at, for me, all those were missing episodes. Even you know, even though they ex- some of them existed until I saw them. So it had this whole mystery. And and anytime there was a reference to something in the past, it just was like ooh, a morsel, a, like a little treat, you know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so th- that was always you know th- the fact that. It has a long history. Uh, um, speaks to itself, you know, and 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 sometimes, sometimes the doctor will, will refer to something, and and maybe a new fan might think he's referring to something from a past adventure, but like the terrible Zodan or whatever that mm-hmm. <laughs> that that really wasn't in the series before, but we assume it was. You know, he, um, I, I love when they include little references to stuff that wasn't even there, but just gives it that history. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I'm also finding now that I've got my own uh, missing episodes uh, conundrum because uh, up in my attic I've got loads of videotapes but no video t- machine to play them on. So yeah. I've got my own backlog of uh, missing episodes. Yeah, well... I, that happens with with media, you know. I, I have laser. Well, unfortunately, because of Sandy, my uh, I it destroyed my main laserdisc player, which was they don't make laserdisc players anymore, you know, unless you buy something used off of eBay. But I have an older one, which um, I, I haven't used in decades. I have to find. I I don't know if it, it works or not, but I still have some laserdiscs that survive Sandy. That you know that I'm just, I'm just keeping, you know, because I, I invested money in them. And I have them. So, um, but it's, it's yes. Yeah, I've got Star Wars: A New Beginning on Laserdisc. Wow, what I mine, yeah. But yeah. guys, it's 2015. You remember in uh, Back to the Future 2, we saw that uh, when uh, the DeLorean lands out in the alley, that out there by the trash cans are heaps and mounds of laser discs. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, 2015 is apparently the year you're supposed to throw out your laser discs. So. Well, I, I got them to throw them out. <laughs> <I'm> just... <laughs> it's hard to believe that we're in the future now. I, um, yeah, we are. I don't... Looking for that hoverboard, but the... I, I just, uh, just today there was I think on Facebook someone had um, it might have been Perry posted I don't know to Ian's page a uh, a Back to the Future DeLorean iPhone case of all things so I reposted it as, oh, yeah, and, yeah, and with, yeah the future that, yeah. is now so I, I do <laughs> want to make a mention that that Kyle had got disconnected if you're wondering why he's so oh. quiet. His battery died on his phone. We should let our listeners know oh, that he was calling in from a hotel, and because of the internet problems that he was having with hotel speed connection issues, he was uh, he recall he he connected back to the to our call here via his phone using you know the LTE data service, whatever. So um, anyway, so he, he apologies there that he um, you know we, we lost Kyle in our call here. That's right. He wanted us to mention that he is he is in a hotel, but he is not in the hotel from the God Complex. We may be grateful. So. And he's not in room 11. He's not in room 11 of that <laughs> that awful place. <laughs> anyway, so well, you said – so, uh, Lewis, I wanted to jump back a minute. You, sure. you were talking earlier about the, the fact that you had been grabbed by the fact that Doctor Who was anti-authority. Do yes. you think that's been true throughout the series? Well, I think it uh, lost its – some of it, um, but I, initially, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, th- that was an attractive element to to the series that he, you know, especially, you know, you, you go back to like the John Pertry era, uh, you know, and he's co- constantly, you know, uh, faced with military and 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 and, um, and people of authoritative nature, and he just can't deal with them, you know, <laughs> he's just no. No, you know, but he needed their equipment to mend his TARDIS. That was why he he he, he agreed because he had the facilities yeah. of their uh, you know their lab. That, That's yeah. He, so he was tolerates you, it. Yeah, like, it was an uh, uneasy alliance. Yeah. But um, he always riled against them, and uh, you know, the, oh, that's always the military answer, isn't it? You know, shoot it. Exactly, and and he's not going to go for that. And I, yeah, I, I I got to thinking about this again though when when Danny Pink said that he's an officer, that that's who he is. He's the one who gives the orders and lets other people die. And I thought, geez, has has has, I think that's true. Is hmm, <laughs> that's yeah, fire, interesting. Fi- fire and ice, yeah. From uh, wow. was it the Poison Sky one where uh, Donna warns that uh, you know. It, 
it's everybody around the doctor that's pulled in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, uh, that's not an intended effect. I don't think he means to for that to be what happened. He he still wants to oppose the authority that's going to hurt people. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, and even oh. Davros says, "I'd name you Destroyer of Worlds." Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Davros. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, we could do this all night. Could I know, we? I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- uh, I think for our listeners' sorry. sakes, we ought to. Well, yeah. I, I think on that note, we should invite our listeners to please send in your feedback and let us know what Doctor Who means to you. I mean, I'm sure we've yeah. missed stuff too. I'm, I'm sure after we finish recording this, we're going to kick ourselves and say, "Oh, I forgot to bring up this, or I forgot to bring up that." And, and oh, this yeah. is another intrinsic part of Doctor Who that that we should have spoke about. Um, so I'm sure we're missing stuff. But so please send us your feedback. You can call the the Doctor Who public call box at two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. And please, because um, you may be listening to this in the future or in the past or <laughs> somewhere in between, just go to our website podchock dot net to make sure that's still the number because the number does sometimes change. So uh, currently it's two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. It's twenty four seven or twenty six, depending how many hours of the day that you have. Who knows. Um, uh, call it, and it works just like voicemail, and just leave like a message um, about three minutes long or so, no no longer than that, so we can keep it, you know, tight and, and included on the show. You could also record your feedback, you know, uh, on your smartphone or your computer. Uh, many smartphones have a voice memo feature, and you can then email it to feedback, feedback at net. So we want to hear what you have to say. Um, it's not just about us. Like I said, I think it's personal to everyone. Everyone's attracted to the show for maybe different reasons, or or, or maybe it, there are little bits of all these reasons. But there might be certain things that are weighted heavier than others. And so we, we want your take on it. And and what might um, you know what, what what you might think of the series, and what you might think the future may hold for Doctor Who, and what intrinsic things that should remain in the series. In the, in the umbrella name of Doctor Who that, you know, must always be there. Well, I ought to segue then to you by saying, does that mean there'll be no feedback this week and people should listen to a future one? Yeah, well, um, again, um, we're going to forego feedback this week. Uh, I, th- I think we have an, uh, an email out there that we're going to get to at, at some point or another. Uh, but even, even when you send, even if you send a, an email, please try to keep it short so that we can, um, you know, or, or break it up into parts and then send it in, and we can, you know, tackle each part, <laughs> you know, in an episode. Audio feedback is best. Yes, yeah, since it is an audio show, but we'll take whatever feedback we, you know, we'll take it all and we read it all. After all, we can take it all. We've got a bigger in the inside podcast. <laughs> yes. As just a quick reminder, if you enjoy the show and you want to keep us going and uh, help keep the lights on and keep the podcast coming to you, you can become a Doctor Who Podshock supporting subscriber. To do so and to find out more information about it, go to our website, podshock.net, and you'll find a banner ad on the top there. You can click on that for more information. Uh, alternatively, you can go to arttrap.com and find the same information there and join today and it does help us a great deal and we want to thank all our supporting subscribers this show wouldn't be possible without you thank you so uh, I want to Kyle's like I said got disconnected but I do want to um, 
thank Kyle for you know for being here, even though you know we got he got disconnected. And um, and Lee, thank you once again for being on the show. Anything that you want to plug? Thank you, Lee? sir. Oh, thank you. That's very generous. Yeah, if, if people want to go look at uh, the website herlock.us, H-E-R-L-O-C-K, Sherlock without the S. Yeah, this is my web series that's going to launch in a couple of weeks. And, very exciting. you know, Sherlock Holmes, Doctor Who have a certain overlap there, oh, yes. thanks to um, Margatus and uh, Stephen Moffat. So, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks very much. Herlock.us. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, I have a friend who's a big Sherlock Holmes fan, and I'm going to tell him about your site. But it always he it always amazed me that he's never got into Doctor Who. I just think he's never been exposed to it, and it, um, unfortunately, he's um, he, he's in Florida, so uh, it's not like I can just uh, you know invite him over and show him s- some stuff. But it's um, it's it's one of the if you're a do- if you I think if you're a Doctor Who fan. You naturally have to go and watch, you know, expose yourself I, to Sherlock Holmes in some either I, reading or, or watching or listening or whatever. Um, I, I think there's a lot there's there's a lot of parallels between Doctor Who and, and Sherlock Holmes. Uh, there you know, are indeed. Yeah. Yeah, the Doctor is a very Sherlockian character, and and vice versa. So yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they can like your Facebook page as well. That's very true. And. Dave, as always, you can find Dave on the Colton Collective. Um, it's not every Sunday now, but it's it's once once a month on Sundays. Um, when is the next Colton on the live show? Well, well, we were actually going to do it the, the the last Sunday in every month, but because it's the Oscars this uh, Sunday, and mm-hmm. after we would normally air, we've put it off till the first Sunday in March for this week. But we, you're quite right. While Doctor Who's off air, we're just going to monthly, but that means we can uh, concentrate on some studio interviews that we're hoping to get out, and they are also going to things other than Doctor Who. Our most recent episode out is. Um, uh, Better Call Saul commentary on the first episode Uno of Better Call Saul, which is a two-parter. So there will be the uh, second commentary out hopefully in a week. Or so following that, so uh, Cultum dot com are on Facebook. Find the uh, the Cultum Collective there and uh, Cultum on Twitter. Very good. Well, I think that's going to round up the, the show. Um, I, again, we want to hear from our listeners. Um, and I think, um, and again, on, on behalf of Kyle, uh, you know, he gives, he gives his regards as well. But um, thank you all for listening. And until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Yeah.